Hello, and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan, and beside me is Ben, and as always, we thank you for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. And only about 15 seconds in, and you can probably tell that I've been smoking for at least half of my life, um, <laughs> and I just got done with four packs today, so i got to cut myself off. No, I'm just getting over a throat cold kind of sore throat, but I'm doing all right. Um and uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm always stuck in between. Like, I kind of feel like I'm Mike Rowe with that low raspy voice, but then I'm also sound awful, and I'm not really <laughs> sure which way it goes. So if you're enjoying it so far, I will make sure I keep this grittiness to my voice. But if not, it should be gone by next week's episode. Anyway, Ben, how you doing, big guy? <laughs> oh, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. How you doing? Well, I guess everyone knows how uh, you're doing. You've been sick. <laughs> um, I might have my smoker's cough come back every now and then too. Yeah, you need. But that's dude, Nat King doing, Cole. He used I'm, to smoke five packs a day, and so uh, just to keep his know, voice silky smooth. So maybe you need to bump it up my, one more pack. <laughs> my uh, my my career in in swooning uh, swoon in the swoon agency of Nat King Cole is just starting. So I got a little while to catch up. Anyway, I'm not doing too bad, man. I'll tell you what, I have missed talking to you and doing this show, but here we are spending about half hour, if not a little bit more together to kind of forget about the world and record, um, and talk about some things that really interest us. Anyway, today, episode 40 coming at you, um, as a couple weeks ago, we're coming off of a high after talking about kind of how this podcast started and then and now volume five, which I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from, um, and people really liked how we kind of opened up and, uh, talked about our origins. But today, uh, episode 40, um, dot dash, dot dash, or whatever you want to call it. We're going to be talking about Morse code today, about the development, the beginning, why it was used, kind of uh, you know what it was used for back in the uh, major heyday, and how it has become one of the longest used electrical coding system um, to this day. And then we're also going to talk about how it is used um, in modern times um, with some Modern examples, including in the aviation industry, as well as amateur radio, and on the Navy Seas. So, without further ado, I guess uh, we can just jump right in, like we always do, Ben. Um, actually, Ben has some small little stories and tidbits. Uh, what was it? Your uncle actually has an FCC Morse code license, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, he has the license. Well, he just has the overall license for... Uh ham radio anyway but he also is pretty into the uh the morse code and he's been like he's been doing that stuff i mean sent basically since he was a kid um that's so cool yeah i mean he's been into it forever uh, as long as i can remember and much much uh before that um and so i i i don't i've not done too much with it like i just talking to him i i know a little bit here and there um but i've I've never you know sat down and gotten full explanation on thing and that sort of thing but (laughs) little things here and there and it's it's always super interesting um because it's almost the 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 radio guys i mean there's really no in between there's no one that's kind of sort of into radio it's uh it's you know nothing about it or it's a lifestyle you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is for sure a huge passion. Um, yeah. and, and something that, like, you'll come across something, whether it be Morse code or some sort of radio thing. Uh, and if you're talking to a radio geek, they're literally looking for, like, the next radio thing. Like, how can I make this into radio or spin it in some sort of way 
like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and it's so much fun to pick their brains about that. Yeah. All I mean, right, big guy. Why don't you take us into the overview, huh? Okay. Uh, brief overview of just Morse code in general. Having been in use for over 160 years, Morse code is the longest used electrical coding system. Um, uh, just the general premise of Morse code is basically transmitting text or information using on and off signals. Um, and that can be lights, clicks, um, pretty much anything that can be turned off and on can be used for uh, Morse code. Extremely, uh, it's... <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to say simple because you know it's something that you have to learn and be good at. Um, but at the same time, it is very simple. I mean, you don't have to have complicated uh, data communication or anything like that. It is a one wire system on and off. Um, each Morse code symbol represents either a text character, letter or numeral, or a pro sign, and is represented by a unique sequence of dots and dashes. Um, the duration of a dash being three times longer than a dot um, with each dot or dash followed by a brief silence so that you can kind of, you know, if it was all mashed together, it would get very confusing as to, uh, you know, the spacing of words or just the spacing of the sounds in general. Um, it would yeah. <laughs> get extremely difficult to uh, <laughs> I, figure out. <laughs> I can just imagine it's just like... It's like, wait a second. Yeah. What exactly are they trying to say here? Yeah, and I feel like it's. I feel like if you miss one dot or dash or miss a series of them, you can get so screwed up. Oh my it's, gosh! You know what? <laughs> Out of researching this, there is no, there is no Morse code for backspace. Like, oops, I messed up. <laughs> No, you actually have to type that out. Oops, I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Back, backspace. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, okay, moving on. Between each letter is a silence <laughs> is a silence equal to three dots, while words are separated by a silence equal to dots. So, you know, now that we have everyone thoroughly confused... Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to increase uh, it, speed. It really Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just like it, it's such a big science, you know what I mean? And especially just like obviously we're all humans. So if you have a Morse code operator, if you put two Morse code operators together, the way that they're going to transmit and then copy down Morse code is going to be different between the two. Obviously there's trainings and kind of a lot of it is the same basic thing, but the timing could be completely different. Yeah, well, even even just the, uh, just how the, especially if they're really fast, um, if they're they're really fast at transmitting or receiving, um, I guess more more transmitting for where I'm going with this. Uh, there's there's not going to be time to if you're trying to write down what's being transmitted. What you what if yeah. you're writing down if you're receiving and writing down there's there's not going to be enough time and so I'm sure that there's also this um, shorthand pretty much that is mm. developed for maybe there is a standardized shorthand for Morse code I I don't know 
Um, it would not actually now that I think about it, it would not surprise me if there was just kind of a <laughs> yeah. standard way of doing things. But yeah. I'm sure that that takes there's probably quite a bit of personal preference as to, you know, receiving that message. What is your priority? You know, do you skip almost like speed reading? You know, mm-hmm. the, the letters mm-hmm. that you're the words that you're skipping a the two four, you know, just the, the, the prepositional phrases and that sort of stuff that is not crucial to understanding the message. Um, you know, and that's that's a very, very fast uh process that's going on in your brain that you know once you fall behind you're you're just done yeah you're done (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean even doing research there's been you know like contests and necessarily like licensor things talking about how fast people can uh transcribe and transmit morse code and And uh fun fact i have a, a few of those actually right here uh oh okay cool 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 i do never mind then on May 6th of 2003, uh, boy, I'm going to butcher this name. Holy cow. Andre Bindasov, Bindasov <laughs> <laughs> successfully transmitted 216 Morse code marks um, of mixed, just overall mixed text in one minute. Jeez Louise. Which is That's flying. insane. That's flying. That is flying. That is flying. And but like you, even doing research, like back then, especially when Morse code was a lot more prominent, to be like really proficient and good at Morse code, you were known to like transmit 40 to 45 words per minute in Morse code. And then they were saying like for you to be able to process and receive that, by that time you're not even like hearing the dots and dashes. You're hearing more of phrases and sentences rather than oh, just yeah. the individual letters. So it's, Th- yeah, it's just be like no a, time for that. Yeah. Yeah, That's well, insane. anyway, in, that <laughs> in 1942, um, I don't know if this is stand. I would imagine it's probably not still a standing record, um, but 1942, Harry Turner, um, with a radio ham W9YZE, reached 35 words per minute in a demonstration on a U.S. Army base. Yeah, and that's insane to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, 35 words per. I mean, I can't. I'm trying to think of, I, I'm, I'd be doing good to get like maybe 15 words per minute, like typing. Oh man, like my typing well, is terrible. Oh, yeah, no, oh no, typing. Okay, excuse me, sorry. I was like, whew, that's pretty good for Morse code. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, that's. What I'm, I'm just comparing. Like, I'm trying to compare it to something that I can do. And okay, you know, I know some no, I people can fly on like a keyboard, and I'm, I'm struggling to get you know. 10 15 words per minute like yes. it's so terrible yeah and then this guy's and, getting and it's a good, 35 it's a good words day. per minute in basically a different language <laughs> it's it's a good day for me if i get 20 words per minute while talking um and let alone making morse code but <laughs> do you do you do you think do you think he got like arthritis pretty bad after doing all that you know i don't know maybe that you know <laughs> yeah you see some people who do some sort of uh, physical demanding task with their hands for a long time. And their hands kind of like, uh, they kind of form to whatever shape they're, they're doing with. You look <laughs> yeah. at a lot of older guitar players and that sort of thing. And their hands, I mean, their fingers almost curl to fit the fretboard and to wrap around the yeah. fretboard and to stretch. And I wonder if it's the same thing. If you, you end up with the... I don't know, with a kind of a claw hand <laughs> thing after, you know. 
using that yeah. no, for long No, enough. I could think of it. Gosh. I mean, you know what? We are going a little bit off the rails during the show, but it's still on topic, so that's a good thing. Yeah, we actually haven't left topic of Morse code yet. <laughs> All right. Man, we kind of we kind of derailed that situation. Anyway, go back up to what you were saying about the overview. Uh, okay, okay. This is where I, where I left off. To increase speed, the code was developed based on the length of how long it takes for the character to be spoken in English. So the the super simple, mostly uh, probably vowels. Um, yeah. You know, would that that sort of the 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 quick the very quick sounds formed in the English language also are the quickest sounds to make on Morse code and the longest would be the longest in Morse code um, mm-hmm. which it, w- you know, which which totally which totally makes sense because like when you look at vowels they're like the most used thing in the English in the English language mm-hmm. you know what I mean so obviously it would be much more efficient to make those as quick and simple as possible in Morse code to get those words spelled out quicker rather than making an E longer to do than a Z. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, and that just kind of goes to the, I mean, this isn't a code that he just like thought up one day and like, oh yeah, this will be really cool. And like, it just happened to catch on. I mean, it was a well thought out and developed um, code system with an end goal in mind, you know, to transfer information as quickly and easily and as efficiently as possible. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not like it's not like Pig Latin or something like that where it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's harder to use than to just talk. Um, and so that that just kind of shows you know the thought that that went into it. So, uh, due to Morse code being able to be sent in improvised ways, like in an emergency, it is one of the simplest and most versatile methods of telecommunication. Um, and it's actually, you know, that, that kind of goes along with the, uh, internationally recognized SOS signal. Um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much everyone everyone knows what SOS is you know it's just a, a a a symbol of emergency um and it's actually kind of interesting because SOS actually doesn't mean anything it's what yeah it doesn't the actual word the letters don't mean anything it's not an acronym for anything um so it's reason- not it's not it's not save our ship <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not the it's not the 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 stuff you hear like you know on the playground in elementary school or anything like that. Like you know the the smarty pants running around telling everyone that's what it means. Um, yeah. No, it's really just uh, those specific letters were chosen because they are extremely easy to translate in transmit in Morse code. Uh, S by itself is three dots, and O by itself is three dashes. So it's three dots, three dashes, three dots, and it, as far okay. as a a e, there's really no more easily recognized uh, distress signal than that, and so that's why it's it's it doesn't actually. And I know that's I think that's something I I I remember learning a long time ago, but I'd forgotten it until you know looking at show notes and show prep for this. Um, 
but I don't know. You always, yeah, you always hear exactly what you said to save our ship or save our whatever. And yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, Interesting. that would be ridiculous if it actually meant something. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's actually really, 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 really cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll move into the invention and the development of the actual Morse code as well as some of the um, telegraphs that uh, utilized it. So be- beginning back in 1836, the American artist Samuel F.B. Morse, the American physicist Joseph Henry, and Alfred Vail developed an electrical telegraph system. So this system actually sent pulses of electric current along wires, which was controlled, um, which then controlled an electromagnet, electromagnet and uh, that was located on the receiving end of uh, another telegraph system. So pretty much what happened up through um, 1836 and into 1837, um, Morse actually developed an early forerunner to the modern international Morse code. So at this time, it was kind of more of a rough around the edges, not necessarily refined and streamlined like it is um, today, known as international Morse code. What it was back then was actually kind of known as like American Morse code, Mm -hmm. and it was more based on what the letters looked like rather than the common um, common aspects of the letters in the English language and uh, and how fast it would be to like more transmit those messages. So uh, obviously it was tweaked into a little bit more of a streamlined system. So the first Morse uh, message was actually then uh, was actually sent between Washington D.C. and Baltimore on May 24th, 1844, and the uh, message was "What hath God wrought." taken from the Bible, Numbers 22-23-23. And it was actually funded uh, with a $30,000 grant from Congress to actually develop and build these telegraphs. Am I correct? Because I know that you added that in uh, to uh, the show prep. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty much a... uh, It was funded by Congress as basically just a a way to jumpstart communication in general. Okay. Um, this went into the infrastructure for uh, the first telegraph line that was used in on May 24th, 1844. Went into uh, time for development of the system in okay. general, um, and it was kind of yeah, like like I said, it was just a way to jumpstart this uh, this process. You know, something that could be used as a as a emergency as well as overall just communication. Um, because before this, there really wasn't, there really wasn't a whole lot. Yeah, and understandably, the government jumped on board because having this kind of continuity, um, community, and continuity, continuity <laughs> of uh, to com- communication would definitely be um, ideal for sure, especially at this time. Mm-hmm. So, through this funded uh, fund of Congress. Um, it was actually designed to make indentations. Oh, excuse me. So, telegraph was being created in 1844 from the fund of Congress, and these telegraphs were actually first designed um, to make indentations on paper tape when the electric currents were received. So, pretty much, it was like the original telegraph receiver uh, used a mechanical clockwork and actually moved the paper tape um, while the message was being received. So the electrical current, electrical current was uh, being received, then engaged in armature that pushed a stylus down into the moving paper um, and made subsequent indentations. So it kind of would almost look like your dot dashes that you would see on paper. So obviously when it was disengaged, no electrical current was coming, the stylus would go up, and when it was engaged, it would go down and make an indentation. So from there, um, 
The code was actually then translated after the marks on the tape. But when the operators actually got used to hearing the clicking of the armature, they were able to um, kind of transmit and understand the message without even reading the tape because it became more of an um, auditory thing because you can hear the clicking um, and then that way they kind of transmitted it that way and understood what the message was before the tape was even um, out of the telegraph. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to see like that kind of evolution in the Morse code and kind of bringing it into the more of an auditory code that we know of today. So once the code was adapted into radio, the learning of the code actually began to shift more into a language itself um, that is heard rather than actually read. And that's kind of what Morse code developed to be um, what it is today. Right. I'm sure I'm sure having it uh, scribed onto a paper tape was a fantastic way of especially new uh, telegraph operators to get used to the system. I mean, obviously they were trained in it. They knew the code going into it. But I'm sure, especially if you're a new operator, that was helpful in the beginning. But once you're up and going and you understand the code and it's basically a second language to you, I'm sure I can totally understand um, wanting to, or preferring to listen to the receiver rather than reading the tape and listening and then maybe jotting your own notes down as you go. Um, yeah, yeah. That would be so much faster um, than sorting through the tape, which I'm sure, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, the, I, I'm sure it was a, uh, a overly complicated mechanical system, you know, that's feeding the paper and working the stylus. And, and you know, I'm sure, I don't know for sure, but I can, eight in the 1840s, I would imagine that it was probably... Um, not exactly the most reliable system in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I could be, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Um, you know, I'm sure much easier just to listen to it and write it down as you go. Yeah, no, totally, and that, and it just turned out to be uh, that's kind of what Morse code turned into. So we're gonna round out this uh, section. Um, and kind of talking about and shifting into how it became so commonplace. So by the 1890s, Morse code was actually being used extensively in early radio communication before voices were even used um, over airwaves. So throughout the next 20 years, Morse code would continue to evolve and kind of become crucial in many aspects, including military, naval, and aeronautical communication um, to include both civilian and uh, military aircraft and watercraft as well um, and that's kind of where it found you know it, it's kind of roots and its base was you know kind of in that I don't even know what to call it just kind of military-esque uh, aspect well a lot of people when you know when you think about Morse code um, you know you a lot of times you think about military uh, coding of messages or the way they talk to each other in terms of communicating with boat to boat or you know, airplane to ground base or whatever. And then sometimes you also think about uh, spies being trapped by their arch nemesis um, with them tied up in a chair and then they have a wall behind them and so they do Morse code to try and get out. That's about all you think of, right? <laughs> yeah, and well, it's such a, a versatile system. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be from, you know, transmitter to receiver over wire. It's It can uh -huh. be... Uh, I know that's very popular with the Navy. I think they that's really one of the few uh, 
the few medias that's of Morse code that's still used is light signals during, uh, during, uh, what, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Radio darkness or, uh, oh. you know, when, you know, when they're, they're operating with, uh, zero radio communication, you know, that's still a great way. It's super reliable, um, way of communicating basically just turning the light on and off and a lot there you know in this application it's a little lots it's not quite as simple as turning like a flashlight on and off they've got these big old lights with, with oh yeah uh, basically blinds that they open up on them uh, if you've any watched watched any old you know navy movies or anything like that you surely have have seen that but uh you know even even when transmitted over radio it's still such a good uh a good form of communication because you can it's you don't have to re- over it can be super long distance really bad uh reception um and you don't have to rely on the clarity of a voice message to you know it doesn't have to be uh clear enough to understand like a voice message as long as you can make out dots and dashes you're good to go yeah yeah oh yeah you know, most definitely and, and you know and a, a radio a voice message could come through all totally garbled up and nasty and have no idea what they're saying, but on that same level of reception, you might be able to get a, not necessarily clear, but a workable Morse code uh, message. Yeah, and even and it also adds, on top of that, an aspect of security because, you know, in this day and age, Morse code doesn't make too much sense unless you have the trained ear to do it. Oh yeah, definitely, and, and then kind of going off that as well, it's very easy to code Morse code. Um, uh huh. You know, I mean, because someone on the other line is writing down what's going on. Well, it's uh, you can still have coded messages over voice. It, it's you know, to anyone listening, it still sounds like nonsense, but with uh, Morse code, it you can have. Basically, you know, whatever code you have going on, whether it's certain letter characters mean this thing, certain phrases mean this thing, it's all, uh, as it's being taken down, it's going to be much easier to uh, keep secretive, or and it's probably going to be easier to uh, the intended target to decipher as well, because they're writing it all down, they can lay it out, look at it, um, and not relying on a voice, uh, uh, a voice message. Voice Most mail. definitely. Voicemail. That's what I almost said. <laughs> voicemail. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you I'm gonna leave you a voicemail in Morse code. I've actually <laughs> contemplated this. We should actually start podcasting in Morse code and see how many listeners we uh, keep. Um probably exactly two. <laughs> Maybe less. Alright, man. Yeah. Well, okay, that's that's the same audience that we have now, right? <laughs> yeah, good call, good call. I'm just, I'm just kidding. We we love you all out there. It's amazing. Um, actually, we've had some huge spikes in Pennsylvania. If you're out there listening, we love you. Also, out in the UK, great to have you with us. All right, moving on, taking us into some modern uses. Just a little another side note. <laughs> okay, so even though Morse code has become less prominent in in the military, there has been a continued use in select military branches as well as a pretty steady use in uh, civilian application. As of 2015, the U.S. Air Force still trains 10 people a year in Morse code. Um, With the U.S. Coast Guard 
ceasing all use of the code as well as stopped monitoring transmissions including the medium frequency distress signals so the air force doesn't use it at all anymore um that doesn't okay well i should say that differently the air force doesn't use it at all anymore the coast guard doesn't use it and they don't even monitor anything going on with it anymore <laughs> no which but, is insane to me like you would think you know who knows what could happen or who's in trouble out there but you would think the coast guard should be at least having one ear or eyeball on the on the on the morse code frequencies just in case yeah i mean just i mean that's kind of that's like a major job of the coast guard is <laughs> yeah like <laughs> taking distress signals and they <laughs> yeah and like, then they I, just don't even monitor it <laughs> i don't know that kind of <laughs> That's kind of, it seems just kind of weird to me, but what do I know? <laughs> uh, uh, the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, still grants commercial radio, <clears throat> radio telegraph operator licenses to applicants who pass its code and written exam. Uh, licensed operators are still running to this day in uh, an old California coastal Moore station KPH and regularly transmit information. Um, this, I mean, that's going, backing up a little bit to the FCC tests. I mean, it is a very, in, okay, well, I, it's not intense. I don't want to say that. I kind of screwed up. It's, <laughs> it's a test that, I mean, it's not easy. It is, it's not just a test you can show up for, breeze through a little pamphlet and do it i mean they it's a pretty strenuous yeah. test because they the whole point is they don't want just any idiot who has a radio getting on there and just throwing out all kinds of dots and dashes and screwing everything all up oh yeah oh yeah um and that and it's a it's a safety thing as well because not only do they make sure that you are proficient in code or and this goes for code or radio in general um, whether it's just voice ham radio um, they got to make sure that these people are relatively responsible and they're not going to be sending out false uh, distress signals and mm -hmm. anything like that. You know, that would totally be counterproductive to the uh, uh, the civilian, you know, ham radio culture. Yeah, yeah. Even then, I mean, like, obviously they have to prove your knowledge that you're able to operate and safely operate and use this uh technology but they also have to make sure that like you're not not necessarily that they have their hands on important information but they can't like go out and then broadcast where all of our nuclear silos are or what have you like you know just like a whole bunch of information that who knows who could get a hold of it um yeah yeah and that yeah, kind of thing that, as well that and 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 stuff just as simple as you know not, it's kind of like yelling fire in a theater yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want someone, hey, there's going to be this, this is going to happen here. Everyone shows up, all this time and money and resources are wasted on this false uh, uh, distress signal, pretty much, or false uh, warning. Uh, and, and, and that could also lead to, I mean, people might, it, the word might get out and people might start panicking and people getting hurt or killed or anything like that. I mean, so there's a certain level of responsibility that goes with having this, uh, having this license. 
Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, it is yep. very. It's a long range. It's not like, uh, you know, putting flyers up, <laughs> you know, on telephone poles. <laughs> it's a it's a long range communication that there are a lot, there are a lot of people monitoring this, and so it's even if it's just in the radio world. I mean, it's gonna if you put out something that's not true, it's gonna spread quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> All right. Probably should move on a little bit. Aviation continues to use Morse code primarily in testing or navigational aids. Uh, When in the air, pilots will transmit a set of identification letters to navigation aid stations to ensure they are serviceable. Um, In some areas of the world during periods of maintenance, a facility may uh, radiate a test, T-E-S-T, code or remove the code to signal an unreliable station. Um, Though Morse code is sent in just in roughly five words per minute on average in aviation, um, the U.S. pilots do not actually need to know the code. Um, they have pretty much a dot dash cheat sheet written out next to the transmitter. Um, and even some of the really modern navigation receivers automatically transmit code into letters. Um, you know, that's... That's a good technology to have, but I still feel like if you're gonna have any use of this code ever, if you plan on ever using it, I mean, I feel like you still need people to know it. It's oh, kind yeah. of an all. It yeah, seems definitely. to me like it's kind of an all or nothing kind of thing. You can't rely on the technology or rely on someone to be able to use the chart that's next to the uh, transmitter and receiver. Um, mm hmm. I don't know. It seems kind of like a bad idea to just let it go like that. <laughs> you know, it's you either drop well, it entirely or make sure people are still proficient with it. Well, yeah, that that that's a that's what I was going to say. Was like if you have a translator for Morse code, what is the point of even having Morse code? Just pick up a walkie-talkie or just get onto <laughs> your radio and talk to the guys directly. Like they're just waiting for this Morse code to be translated. And then they're going to, like, understand what you're saying. Just let them know what you're trying to say instead of waiting for the translator. It, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I think the matter of the fact is is that it has become a little, like, a lot less common to have Morse code. And now that there are even translators out there, Morse code has kind of not necessarily been a code anymore. It's just a interesting language of communication in a way that not everyone understands. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, that, not, that's pretty much what it is now. It's not necessarily a a primary necessity for communication anymore. Like it used to be, even when there was still voice, it was still a very common way to communicate because it was so reliable. Um, yeah, you know, we talked about how. You know, it, you don't have to have quite as good of a signal to still translate Morse code, and now that's that's still a great quality to it. Um, but now, it, I mean, we have th- with the satellite communication and um, extremely powerful radios and the electronics that go into them to help filter out noise and that sort of thing. It it's not necessarily <laughs> as necessary. Um, <laughs> and, gosh, um, I kind of set myself up for that. That was unfortunate. Um, it's, you know, it's not as crucial as it used to be. You know, I mean, it, there, there's, there's still a place for it. Definitely. You know, in the, just the overall reliability factor. Um, 
but it's you know as we see it's there's other ways of communicating that are getting better and better all the time and so it's kind of one of those things that we just kind of got to wonder about how long it's going to last um yeah that's true mm -hmm. so uh the most common use of morse code is nowadays is actually amateur radio um Amateur radio is granted license through the FCC where the operators have demonstrated the knowledge and ability to transmit useful and non-secretive, keyword there, information through radio station or platform they created. Which is pretty much what your uncle so, does. Right. And so, I mean, the keywords there are useful and not, excuse me, and non-secretive. So that's not giving out secrets. That's not spying on military maneuvers and, you know, throwing that out there over the airwaves. Um, and that also goes to, you know, it says useful information where you're not just on their BS and all day, you yeah, know, taking yeah. up, taking up frequencies that could be used for other things. And that's not being said that there aren't just casual conversations, which there is a lot of, but it's not. There's kind of a, a happy medium in there where uh, kind of you just have to find. I mean, you're not taking up frequencies all day, but you can still, if you find someone to talk to, then you talk to them for a little bit and then you move on. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of that just kind of, just kind of a, a with when working with frequencies anyway. You know, I mean, you, you can't have too much going on on one frequency, so it's it, that kind of turns into more of a common courtesy kind of issue. Um, than anything else, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. cool. All right, All right we well, kind of touched on your last bullet point here, but yep, yep. We already the opportunity arose earlier in the show, and so I already hit it. Okay. All right. Uh, I was talking about the SOS. If anybody was wondering, uh, okay. So we're gonna move yeah, into I guess the last. Everyone's not uh, looking little... at our show notes, so they don't know. What we're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone should know what we're talking about. What's going on? Um, okay, so we're gonna move into the last little bit of the show before wrapping it up, uh, and this is kind of the other uses category. So although not necessarily being used to transmit like radio signals um, as prominent uh, before, so the U.S. Navy actually continues to use Morse code on warships via signal lamps. Um, to kind of exchange messages while using radio silence. I think that was the word that you were looking for is radio silence. Silence, earlier. radio silence, darn yeah. it. I knew radio darkness. But radio darkness, <laughs> radio darkness is actually pretty cool anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, or like dead air or whatever you call it. Oh, um, there you so, go. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, in some circumstances, modern uses of Morse code is actually necessary to communicate while maintaining radio silence. Crap. Just said that. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> an important application for... <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, we don't even know what we're talking about. Um, so a very important application for Morse code is actually to uh, use in the general public. So this can be used in the sense of SOS, a signal help, um, and other multitude of ways, whether you, whether you use it uh, via radio, a mirror, light, tapping, um, pretty much anything that can make some sort of on-off signal or sound, Morse code can be utilized. Smoke signals. Um, and there is also some app... <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? Smoke signals. Smoke signals, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cover up the smoke and then let it go. Cover up the smoke and let it go. Um, <laughs> that would be extremely <laughs> difficult. Oh, my God. Uh, what would end up happening is that the smoke would just go around the cardboard piece that you're trying to work with. And it's yeah, just it'd not end up work. just one garbled mess. Well, well you yeah. wouldn't be able to tell if it was, 
you know, something happening like that, or if it was just like a, like a, someone just really drunk trying to send a message. Oh yeah, that's true. It's that's all true. slurred. Instead, <laughs> instead in that, in, in that case, you actually jump on the fire, you put it out and then you start it again for a smoke to come and go, come and go. You, <laughs> Yeah, Bad yeah idea. you have to like takes like four days to say hi. <laughs> backspace, backspace. <laughs> um, so there was actually some like uh, phone apps and settings for your smartphones to incorporate Morse code, um, both into messages as well as ringtones, so it can kind of translate to you a message from like let's let's, let's say if Ben texts me. My phone can actually use Morse code to say, hey, you have a text messages. You have like text message. So it would be like SMS would be the Morse code for short media mess uh, or like short media, um, whatever it's called, SMS message. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it could say that or you could actually download third party apps to uh, send Morse code uh, information to other people. Um, yeah, that stuff's that stuff's kind of interesting, but it. It's more or less just kind of a quirky novelty. Um, yes, you know, if yeah. you're doing something like that, it's you know, it's kind of counterproductive to what the whole point of like <laughs> a quick text message is for. Um, yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, check this out, man. This is actually really cool, um, and something that I feel like Morse code is is utilized most often nowadays so Morse code can also be implemented in assistive technology for people with a variety of disabilities to communicate uh, this can include people with severe motion disabilities or even speaking aids by computer translating the code that uh, the individual uses to communicate so in that kind of sense uh, Morse code is very useful um, for helping people overcome uh, some disabilities um, and then on the 6th of May 2003 uh, you actually already said this back uh, in the beginning of the episode, so never mind. Yeah, a couple of the stuff I added in <laughs> ended up being able to kind of squeeze in here and there and earlier in the show. So Yeah. But did you have anything to say uh, before wrapping up the show about the kind of assistive technology that Morse code can kind of bring to people? You know, that that is, I mean, that is such a an interesting idea. You know, I hadn't, before this, I hadn't really thought of it that way because you think of, you know, uh, people who are blind use Braille and various other forms of media for people who have disabilities, whether it's totally different forms like Braille is or if it's just kind of a shortened, simplified version. But this Morse code is such a, how do I want to say, it's a such a unifying uh, medium because it, it doesn't, it's not restricted to a single type of transmission. Like we talked about, Mm -hmm, it can be, mm -hmm. you know, it can be just looking at dots and dashes um, themselves. It can be looking at flashing lights. It could be the sound of the telegraph. It could be, you could be, I don't know. I'm at a loss for what, I mean, basically anything else that you can see turn on and off. It can be used as it. And so, it's a really easy way of translating media because it could take something from written or typed text on a computer or a notepad and so and it's extremely easy to turn into something visual or auditory yeah oh and vice for versa. sure and back and it goes the other way as well 
Yeah. Especially yep. with the prevalence of technology for, you know, for electronics to be translating that for you. I mean, that's, you know, it yeah. might, depending on the circumstances, could be uh, more reliable, could be less reliable, but it's oftentimes it would take away the having to, you know, s- someone having to be a trained in Morse code, you know, and so mm-hmm. it would be relatively easy to pick up if you had some sort of equipment that would do it for you. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's exactly why it's so uh, more prominent in kind of the assistive technology area uh, today, as it can definitely be used in that kind of sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I'm going to blink Morse code for the rest of the show to end it out, if you're okay with that. No, that's fine. We're an auditory <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> people yeah. never know when we end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's wrap. actually Thank you, what everybody. we've been doing all show, though, is we've been blinking back Morse code messages to each other. Um, so you have no idea what we've been talking about uh, back and forth to each other throughout this entire show. Yeah, really, this this uh, this show really is terrible, about antique. disturbing things. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually been doing two shows at once, one via blinking Morse code and one via auditory uh, messages that you guys are currently digesting. Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us here at Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture. As always, if you enjoy the show, leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We're out there on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find us, leave a a positive review and uh, it always helps us grow and we love to hear feedback from you guys. We'd like to start incorporating your ideas um, and kind of what you want to know about Ben and I or uh, anything that you'd like to have us discuss on the show. Give us a shout out at our email youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com and I know we've talked about it a lot, but we finally have refined and are able to hopefully have a guest here in the near future. We are toying around with it just on the small end, but uh, we should be able to have a guest here um, within the next couple of episodes. And it'll be nice, a little change and something for you guys to kind of uh, tickle the earbuds a little bit uh, with a different voice rather than uh, my four packs a day and uh, Ben's mustache scratching up against the uh, mic. Yeah, I mean, I feel kind of bad because we've been teasing that for like a year about more guests on the show. I know, I know. It is hard enough to, you know, get our act together from 800 miles away to make the show, let alone adding a third person in there, you know, who doesn't have recording equipment and that sort of thing. But um. but it is it is going to happen and it is going to happen soon. We promise. Yes, but, but I think we've got we've got the. We've got it kind of, kind of, pretty much nailed down. Uh, we know exactly how we're going to do it. It's just a matter of how well it actually works out. Yes, and that's the key. <laughs> anyway, anything else, big guy? Nope, that was a fun show. I loved it. I loved it. And as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. <laughs>